Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, listeners, new and old. Thanks again for tuning into the Security Token Show. We're your hosts. I'm Kyle Sondland, and with me, as always, is Herwig Konings. And this week, we're going to be discussing some various aspects of illegal security tokens, what they are, how to look out for them, and then some tips to make sure you don't get yourself in trouble. But before we discuss that fascinating topic, we're going to stick to our usual timeline, sticking with our Companies of the Week segment, followed by Herwig's industry news update, the latest in STOs and trading activity from me, and then finally, our exciting main topic discussion. So with that, I want to dig right into it, Herwig. Who is your Company of the Week for episode 49? Glad to be here, Kyle. Let's jump right in. And my Company of the Week is, again, actually not a company, as in episodes 38, 35, 7, and 4. My choice this week is a regulator. And when regulators make big moves for the industry, they deserve the attention from us, Kyle. And this week... I'm talking about the Financial Services Commission of Mauritius, an island state off the coast of Madagascar in East Africa. For those of you familiar with our updates from the Seychelles, where Emerge is located, Mauritius is an island that's located about 1,000 miles south of that. Well, last week, listen, uh, listeners, you know the Financial Services Commission, or the FSC of Mauritius, released a framework for security tokens to be issued on the island. Wow. It's about a 15-page report with guidance issued by the FS FSC that I can roughly summarize as security tokens being legally defined as securities and that they must follow securities law in Mauritius. Nice. And the FSC will also assign security token trading systems or STTSs which are allowed to act as exchanges for security tokens in Mauritius. I'm not completely familiar with the intricacies of the securities law on the island, but the guidance report does suggest that public solicitation requires a full prospectus to be registered with the FSC. All in all, it's another island nation coming into the security token foray, and let's, you know, with all the existing or new marketplaces launching, you know, potentially in this newly minted jurisdiction ready for security tokens. So congrats to the forward-thinking regulators at the Financial Services Commission of Mauritius for winning my Regulator of the Week award. That's a fantastic recognition. I totally agree. It's important to recognize the productive and forward-thinking jurisdictions all around the world. And again, it's not like we're asking for a whole lot, right? Issuing a report suggesting that yes, security tokens are securities. And yes, they need to follow the securities laws so that we already are. It's not that much of a stretch to do that and define those things and make that clear so that people can operate within the bounds of the law. So I think it's fantastic work from Mauritius or Mauritius. And uh, I look forward to seeing if they can continue to move forward and maybe issue a couple security tokens. I'm sure we'll get some news about some new exchanges launching there soon enough. What about you, Kyle? What do you got for our listeners this week? So my company of the week is Signature Bank. This is a bank with over $50 billion in assets under management, and it's my company of the week because they partnered with issuance platform TokenSoft to launch a real estate security token platform. And so Signature Bank is going to be providing custody of U.S. dollars and the real-time transfer of those dollars through the bank's blockchain-based platform, Signet. This allows customers on the platform to fund their accounts 
before making those trades with third-party platforms. And then between that and the partnership with Tokensoft, where Tokensoft can offer the bank FDIC-insured accounts, appraisal reports, and broker-dealer services, the two seem like they're positioning themselves as a real pseudo-investment banking partner for real estate managers. Other than that, the assets or services that Signature Bank and Tokensoft are bringing to the table regarding the actual real estate or anything like that haven't yet been disclosed, but I do want to celebrate yet another big institution for jumping into the fray and offering a service that is needed, and that's in custody. Congratulations to the Signature Bank team as well as Tokensoft for their launch, and congratulations on being my company of the week for Signature Bank. That's really great stuff, Kyle. As you said, another institution jumping into the game, this time it looks like with Tokensoft, and going after a popular asset class, real estate, with what seems to be a rather compelling and unique offering when it comes to the, the state of value propositions today from other service providers. So we'll see how the market receives that. Yeah, it's interesting. In the article that, that I was citing for my company of the week here, it actually quotes the CEO of Tokensoft, Mason Borda, who talks about the fact that real estate actually isn't necessarily the priority out of choice. It's more because they've, out of necessity, since they have a lot of additional clients that have been joining the platform with real estate type of offerings. So that does give you an interesting insight into the fact that there are real estate projects that are trying to tokenize. This isn't necessarily they're just jumping on board. It's because it's the hyped up asset class. Supposedly, they have a strong client pipeline and we may see some, some real estate projects coming out soon. We'll be on the lookout for those offerings. But in the meantime, let's kick off things with the news. And before I do, I want to remind our listeners, especially those of you who are new, that all the articles that Kyle and I discuss on the show, they are sourced from stomarket.com slash news. But they're also available for reference for you to check out in the about description of the podcast itself. The, you know, uh, from wherever you're listening to, or if not, it's at the Security Token Show Medium blog. And starting off the newsreel is Thailand, which, uh, which is a country that is starting to become one of Asia's security token ecosystems that I would say to keep an eye on. The Public Debt Management Office, which is a division of the finance ministry of the Thai government, is set to issue government-saving bonds to the public that will be distributed with the help of blockchain. Bonds are traditionally issued with a 100 baht minimum, which is about roughly 32 US dollars. And this new six and a half million dollar bond, which is about a 200 million bond, can now be purchased for just one bot, or basically three and a quarter cents. That's you know an impressive use of fractional ownership right there. That's distributed ledger technology, I think, in action. I'm not so sure if blockchain is involved. Uh, and the entire point, uh, according to the government, was just to be able to get more citizens buying government bonds. So that's why they lowered the minimum. Uh, you know, the purchase amount is though at least 100 bonds. So that's about $3.23 worth of bonds uh, in American dollars. And a maximum of about 500,000 bonds, which is a little over $16,000. So that's pretty cool, I'd say. It's unconfirmed, of course, as I said, whether there's tokenization or actual blockchain decentralized technology involved or whether this is just distributed through uh, you know, centralized technologies. We do know that it's being done with Krung Thai Bank, which uses an e-wallet solution to let customers buy and hold their bonds. We'll have to learn more, presumably, you know, as we covered in last week's episode, though, uh, just like many of the central banks exploring digital currencies have opted to explore using distributed ledgers as opposed to full-on blockchain technology, I imagine that this platform is likely some, somewhat similar, but it's still a platform that they can build and evolve on, so great work, Thailand. 
And before we get to some big industry announcements and updates, I want to address the recent buzz around XRP not being a security. <laughs> Kyle, as you know, we've covered on the show in the past the saga of Ripple, which is the issuer behind the third largest cryptocurrency in the world. And it's being embroiled by numerous lawsuits claiming that they violated securities law here in the U.S. And while there are, there are no major updates specifically regarding the cases, there have been a lot of headlines recently about an ex-CFTC chairman saying that XRP is not a security. So I think I need to clarify that, again, this is not the CFTC themselves saying XRP is or is not a security. This is a retired regulator who acknowledges that you know he's not ex speaking in any official capacity and says that his legal paper that he published is just meant to be a legal analysis about XRP not being a security. Now, you know, a legal analysis that's published that while he is now no longer with the CFTC, he is still actively an attorney with a law firm that counts Ripple as a client. So as the editor at Yahoo Finance, Daniel Robert puts it, Quote, some might counter that a legal paper with conclusions that benefit a company written by attorneys for a firm that represents the company relying on facts provided by the company sure looks like an advocacy piece. And I would say he's completely correct. I don't know about you, but this move may be a way to, to try and create additional protection or at least force a legal response from the CFTC and the SEC on the matter of XRP being a security. Now, we do want to recognize also that that move could backfire if the response ends up being that Ripple has to say settle with investors in order to move forward, et cetera. So we'll definitely be watching this closely as the repercussions could be pretty serious for the security token industry. We, we covered this in the main topic actually on the eighth episode of the show if you're interested. And moving into industry announcements, we're starting off with some disappointing news. It looks like NewFund, which is the tokenization platform behind the successful STO of Grape, if you remember that on the show, which is a, a, a platform that is based out of Liechtenstein, is now reportedly shutting down. So NeoFund CEO and co-founder Zoe Adamovich says the security token project could not continue to operate in a regulatory gray area and that no legal action was ever taken against the startup, but that requests from guidance from Boffin, which is the regulator there, were not answered due to fear of new technologies. She says that, quote, the problem is that nobody wants to take the responsibility for neither letting innovation happen nor for banning it. We were neither allowed nor not allowed. Boffin's default answer is to shy away from risk and responsibility, wow. end quote. So yeah, it's, it's too bad to hear her say that, that she believes that the regulation in Germany was too strict to successfully develop you know, a, a security token platform. But um, perhaps many of the STO issuers, in fact, that they were working with Kyle, maybe they were never even approved by Baffin. So who knows what the underlying issues are. I mean, we got to say that the new fund team did a fantastic work working with the Grape STO, which was successful. I think it raised well over a million dollars. And, you know, we'll be on the lookout for updates regarding this shutdown. It's sad to see another industry player go. Kyle, you were, you were quoted in a Coindesk article talking about the need for, for all the players to act together, including, of course, the regulars to make STOs work. So tell us, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this one stings a little bit. It's a shame to, to hear that quote, especially... From Zoe, I reached out to her and a bunch of people from their team to see if we could get additional context or clarity. And unfortunately, there was no uh, no response in time for recording. Certainly, if we get more information, we will let you know on the podcast. It's it's, it's a shame here. I think that certainly here in the U.S., as we've covered for almost I guess forty nine episodes now, 
For a U.S. security token, we don't really need the regulators to approve anything. We're using existing regulations. We're using the approved methods that were given to us by regulators. We're very fortunate to do that here in the U.S. The only thing that we're adding with a security token is just the technology to make it easier to manage and track. But the actual fundraising piece of it is very clear. It's very de well defined, and we follow those rules. And so I'm not very familiar, certainly not a lawyer, and I, I'm not familiar with German securities law. Potentially, there were some issues there, as you said. Maybe they weren't approved. Here in the U.S., you don't necessarily need to be approved to conduct a security token offering. So depending on how Germany likes to handle those processes, um, not sure. So unfortunately, bad news. We'll see what Grape is doing, though. I mean, Grape raised their money, so hopefully they will continue to move forward and, and launch and list on security token exchanges somewhere else around the world. And, uh, and you'll still be able to see stuff from that offering, at least, which is good news. Yeah, hopefully uh, other startups in the region, both in Liechtenstein and Germany, who are still there, are, you know, have seen more success in pushing through what seems to be the barrier that Zoe is talking about. Meanwhile, a blockchain protocol designed for decentralized finance known as WanChain has announced that they are supporting security tokens on their platform. A tokenization platform out of France known as Talium has developed an issue and solution using WanChain's blockchain technology. The tokens will be using a WRC1400 standard, which is framed off, of course, the ERC1400 standard. So now it sounds like we can expect some SEOs, the first ever built on Wanchain, to launch from Talium within the year. So Kyle will definitely be getting us to scoop if they do. And meanwhile, I'll be looking out for more platforms supporting Wanchain in the same way that Tezos and Stellar have managed to offer a competitive blockchain alternative to Ethereum. And security token issuance platform Polymath uh, has a big announcement as well. Uh, as of the time of the show being live, they're going to have announced that the launch of their testnet for the Aldebaran blockchain, which is the new Polymesh network uh, that is being built on that, will be live. So the main net is, is slated for Q1 of 2020. But of course, now that the, 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 the test net is live, you can go check that out and participate. And Polymath is actively seeking partners and issuers looking to leverage that. And if you're not familiar uh, with Polymesh, it's a purpose-built blockchain for security tokens being developed by the Polymath team. The Polymesh network will eventually support the migration of Polymath-issued STOs on the Ethereum blockchain. And in the long haul, is designed to be more efficient and capable for security tokens. You can learn more all about purpose-built security token blockchains in the main topic of episode 29 on the show. And the last industry announcement I have for everybody isn't quite related to security tokens, but definitely relevant. Republic, which is a crowdfunding platform that is sister companies with AngelList, announced last week the acquisition of Compound, which is an equity crowdfunding platform designed to make it easy to fractionally invest in real estate. The acquisition represents a move for Republic to offer real estate investment opportunities to its large base of existing users. And this follows another recent acquisition by Republic where they acquired video game equity crowdfunding site FIG. So it seems like Republic's verticals of investment opportunities are fast expanding through M&A. And Compound's investment opportunities, though, they are not tokenized, just to be clear. But Republic does have a security token advisory arm, and the platform claims to support security tokens. So one could assume that these offerings may eventually be tokenized, and that would be cool because one of the investments is actually for a residential unit in the luxury Flatiron building here in Miami, actually in Kyle and I's backyard. It's a beautiful building. They just completed it, and a stunning addition to the Brickell skyline. Let's 
hope they get to tokenizing that already, Kyle. Looking forward to it. That'd be awesome. And moving into our opinion and educational section of the news, I've got a handful of articles worth sharing with all of you wonderful listeners. The first is an article on Coindesk that covers the recent surge in DeFi, decentralized finance, if you will, including uh, you know, a focus on the Compound Protocol, which is not to be confused with the Compound that Republic just acquired. For those of you who are not pl- plugged in necessarily on this matter, Compound is a lending protocol that launched on June 16th at a price of about $96 per token, according to CoinMarketCap, and the token is now worth triple that. Uh, so the, the article covers how lending platforms that use Compound have benefited from this windfall already, while also covering a lot of the other active DeFi protocols that are out there. So if you're interested in this topic, definitely start with this article by Brady Dale on Coindesk. It's alt season. That's right. The next article I have for you is written by the head of clearing agency service and global operations and client services at DTCC. Murray Posmanter, DTCC, by the, um, by the way, is uh, actually won my company of the week in May for initiating two research projects for blockchain technology in the public and private markets. As a company that settles quadrillions of dollars worth of securities, that's right, quadrillions, I don't think I'll ever get surprised, uh, stop getting surprised when I say that, is they carry a lot of weight in the global financial market as a result. So when Murray calls for the need for digital transformation to occur in finance and securitization, we ought to listen. So have a read whenever you get the chance on that. And the next article I have to recommend for you is by Gunnar Jarov, who is the COO of First Digital Trust, which is a Hong Kong-based financial institution developing tokenized asset custody solutions. He identifies a lot of the global movement towards tokenizing assets and suggests that the next big asset to get tokenized will be gold, either in the form of stable coins like cash, that's C-A-C-H-E, that we've covered on the show before, or doing it in the form of, of course, securities investments. So he goes on to discuss further macro trends as well in the overall global space. I say is a good summary read for assets getting tokenized around the world. And the next article I want to t- tell you about is on Cointelegraph, which is by Jay Frazier, who's the Director of Strategic Partnerships at Box Digital Markets and the Boston Security Token Exchange, which, as you may know, is currently looking for approval from the SEC to become the first licensed national stock exchange in the U.S. to focus on security tokens and traditional securities. Jay does a great job, I think, of painting the macro picture for security token exchanges and their traditional alternatives and how ultimately the former will reign supreme. Given his background in this space, his detail and synopsis are very educational, so definitely check that out if you're interested. And last but not least, Kyle, we have another interview from Security Token Market this month. This time around, it's with Gemma Zhu, who is the co-founder and partner at Redblock Capital, which provides digital investment banking services with a global network of assets and has a capital, uh, and then capital as well as has a presence in Asia, Australia, and the US. So the interview digs into what Redblock offers in terms of financial services, what type of clients they work with, and Gemma's philosophy on digital assets and securities. STM interviews always get into some juicy questions. So I'm happy to tell you, Kyle, you did your team, you know, did a great job with yet another interview. It was fun to learn more about Gemma and Red Block Capital. Thanks for putting that together. Of course, man. Hopefully people are enjoying those interviews. We're trying to find firms that that 
are new, up and coming, that, that might not get the same coverage, and, and really trying to dig in and really figure out how they can build their niche. That's important, right? We have a couple of, of use cases and, and things like that, so now it's time to dig in a little bit. How are you gonna differentiate yourself? And so if you're a company working in the space and you think that you're doing something different that, that would be worth covering on an interview, definitely reach out and, and we'll dig into that a little bit and, and get some more content. Shout out to Jonah for helping me put that together. That would be awesome. Looking for looking forward to more of those interviews, and that's that's all I have uh, for the news cycle, Kyle. So I'm going to hand it off over to you, so you can tell all of our listeners about some of the upcoming industry events. It is a Zoom party this week, ladies and gentlemen. We have three events in a row for you this week, starting with Tuesday, June 24th. And so, or I'm sorry, 23rd rather. So this is the the day the podcast goes live. You're going to be listening. Don't miss this one. It's from YK Law LLP, and they're hosting a blockchain keynote featuring Alexandra, uh, Alexandra Sasha Levin and Jesse Weiner for a free webinar on U.S. blockchain law. So they're going to be covering how the tokenization of assets such as real estate and investment fund interests can work from a legal perspective, as well as how non-U.S. blockchain companies can comply with U.S. law, and then finally covering the challenges that remain in the security token market. So this actually sounds like a fantastic panel. They're going to be taking it from a legal perspective, which is the one that we always try to come with that's compliant. You're not trying to push any boundaries. It's just how to do this successfully because the rules, the regulations, and the path is there. So if you're looking to do real estate, you're looking to do funds, which seems to be the all the rage these days, you got to listen to this. If you're a non-U.S. based company looking to work with U.S. regulation, you got to listen to this. And then if you're interested in maybe finding out a new solution or how to how to improve the markets, listen to that third part and see how that can change. So that is 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. June 23rd. So that is on Tuesday, 1 to 2 p.m. EDT. Following that, we got Wednesday. How security tokens are revolutionizing startup and company financing from Black Manta Capital. Black Manta Capital is hosting a panel discussing all of these things via a webinar with Sorcha Mulligan from the SME chain, Florian Wimmer from BlockPit, Toby Lewis of Novum Insights, Robert Hostrup of Blockchain Company, and Jurgen Hobath of Tokenization Limited with the their partner from Blockchain or Black, Black Manta Capital, rather, Alexander Rapatz. And so that is Wednesday, June 24th at 4 p.m. And so they're going to be covering how security tokens are revolutionizing startup financing. So another different aspect from Black Manta Capital who has done or they're currently doing a few security tokens we're going to cover in just a little bit. Then we have Thursday, Fireside Chat, Digital Securities 2020 and Beyond. This is hosted by iComply. They're doing a fireside chat to discuss the current state of the digital securities industry, the role of regulation in mass adoption, as well as the benefits and pitfalls of putting structured financial instruments onto the public blockchain. It does feature a panel, including iComply CEO Matthew Unger, and this is going to be another great resource to learn more about the industry from insiders working directly inside of it. And so that is Thursday, June 25th at 1 p.m. EDT as well, so that's Eastern time. Finally, we have a couple that we've covered a little bit. We've got Tuesday, June 30th, Security Tokens Realized. This is a panel from 11 to 12.30 Eastern Time discussing will digitizing capital markets create a whole new user experience? I'm sure the answer is going to be yes, and I'm sure that the lovely panel is going to have some interesting opinions, or maybe we get somebody that says no. And then finally, the last event is still coming up in the future. we got a couple weeks, but this is Singapore Blockchain Week, the Virtual Summit 2020. 
This is July 21st to 23rd, so it actually is exactly a month from now, hosted by the Blockchain Association of Singapore and co-organized by NextChange Group. It's gonna cover a lot of different blockchain stuff, but it will have its own section on STOs and asset tokenization. So if you wanna look at that, definitely check that one out as well, July 21st to 3rd. Wow, Kyle, that's a lot of great events. That's really great stuff. Hopefully a lot of them do produce the content afterwards so that it's you know visible or viewable after the fact. But you're, you're not kidding. It's a party this week. It's a Zoom party, but it's great. You know what? Now after we've got a couple months under the belt of the whole work at home thing, I think everybody's starting to get the hang of it. And hopefully we can continue with, with pumping out these webinars. They're not that difficult to put together if you're a firm and it's a good marketing opportunity as well. So hopefully they keep that up. And as you said, please, if you're going to throw one, give us the links to the video afterwards so that we can show it to our audience and people can watch it if they can't make it on time. But moving into some new STOs and new STO updates, the first one we have here is the French financial technology firm ID Distribution announced their joint venture with a local real estate firm called Group JRI, and their mission is to tokenize French real estate. The firm is raising 70 million euros, which is about $78.5 million. That's going to be split between a security token offering and a publicly listed bond issuance on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. The use of funds aims to acquire five different buildings, which will then be leased out, presumably generating a return for their investors. ID Distribution and Group JRI are targeting a 6.5% yield for their security token, and the tokens will be issued via a private blockchain through the tokenization platform Weezy. Additionally, this issuing platform, Weezy, seems to be launching their own security token. That is W-E-Z-E-E.io. And so they're also doing their own security token. There's not a ton of information that I was really able to find aside from that they're aiming to offer a 2.2% dividend and a 12-month minimum hold period on their token that I guess gets, gets benefits from the issuer that they issue. So um, there does seem to be a total supply of about 5,000 and one has sold so far. So do your own research on the, the Wheezy one. I wasn't able to confirm their level of compliance there, which is kind of relevant for the main topic um, because you do need to do your own research with any of these offerings. So if we can get any more information on either the French real estate property in terms of what properties they're targeting or if they're successfully able to acquire those properties and are listing their security token, we will let you know. And then on top of that, if you want to work, check out Wheezy. It's another issuance platform in the making. Moving forward, we also have Black Manta Capital. I've got an update on their first security token offering. This was the S17 Tigris property that they are tokenizing in partnership with Tigris, the real estate management firm in Berlin. And so they're just announcing that the fundraise is set to close on July 30th. So it's a residential real estate property in Berlin that's targeting a, or that's offering a 20% profit share on the property with an estimated IRR of 8%. So if you're still interested in participating in that STO, you can invest at their site at blackmanta.capital. It's a 500 euro minimum investment, so it's not a super high um, requirement there. The second offering that Black Manta has now announced is a second security token. This time, it is a tokenized equity play, not a tokenized real estate property. But Herwig, I have to be honest, I was less than impressed with this offering. The company we're talking about is literally, they're called Blockchain Company, and their goal is to build a unique ecosystem of pragmatic utilities and applications to unlock considerable value for around seven and a half billion consumers who will need change with blockchain. So very, very general. They don't seem to have really a, a, a plan of where they're targeting yet. 
But what really had me perplexed was the terms of the deal where they're raising 10 million euros for 5% of their business, which is a 200 million euro valuation to build their MVP product. So this is before they have anything live uh, or really any kind of relationships established, at least that they're ready to talk about. The only other thing I could confirm from the offering is that they are partners with the ever-delayed UK-based security token exchange, Archax. Archax did raise money from Spice VC a couple of years ago, but I don't know how much credibility that lends in order to justify a $200 million valuation for an MVP. The team did raise 2.5 million euros at a $25 million valuation in their seed round, but the, the 200 million valuation target seems to be a bit overzealous to me based on their lack of product. Herlig, what do you think? Well, Kyle, that's definitely an interesting one. Uh, blockchain company is not very memorable, and I gotta say it's definitely not something I've ever heard of. So going for a $200 million valuation as you kind of pointed out, without having that kind of traction, is definitely a little challenging to swallow. Um, I would say there must be, hopefully they reveal some major partners that sort of justify that, as you pointed out, rather big jump uh, in such a short amount of time from their seed round to their now security token offering. Um, but of course, I don't know all the details on this, so definitely, as you've said, do your own research on it. But you know, this, this is one of those things that could backfire when you play out because they could eventually list on exchanges. And when they list on exchanges, they better you know, hope that they can justify that $200 million valuation or they may see a lot of dumping. Yeah, that's, that's one of those great benefits of security tokens and having that earlier liquidity is that you kind of can prevent, not to, not to talk bad about, about this company in particular, but you see it in public markets sometimes. Even WeWork tried to go public and really had a, a reckoning when, when I think the public didn't value it at the same valuation. So it's something to be conscious of for sure. Uh, hopefully there, there's more to this offering and we look forward to hearing more from them because I'm sure that they're well-intentioned and they actually are on the webinar. The CEO is on the webinar from Black Manta Capital on uh, on Wednesday, the 24th. So Definitely, maybe we can yeah. find out some details there and get a better idea. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how they justify Tune that. into their webinar and, and, and do your own research for sure. And you've got some other cool opportunities to invest in French real estate and, and otherwise, Kyle. So that's a really great update. But tell us, what's happening in the secondary market? So this is kind of where things get juicy, right? I can, I can channel my inner Jim Cramer, go birds. But I have a great update from a company that I named Company of the Week way back in October 2019. And that is Merge. If you don't remember Merge, Herwig mentioned them earlier, but they are a national stock exchange that trades traditional equities and they've successfully fundraised for the development of a security token platform on top of their traditional exchange. And they actually did that months ago. And not only was it exciting to see the institutional financial exchange enter into the security token space, but they also issued their own fundraise via a security token that was successful. And since then, the exchange has not only listed their own security token for secondary trading, but they also have two additional tokens live on their platform amongst the 30 plus traditional securities. And so I just wanted to run through those really quickly because they are on the secondary market. The first one is Uprets. It's, it's issued from Uprets, which is an Asian real estate tokenization platform. And they issued their first token representing partial ownership in certain units at a 216 unit complex in the heart of Brooklyn, New York, called the Ustin property, which was developed by the New York Stock Exchange listed conglomerate, Chinyuan Real Estate Company Limited. And so this is a security token backed by real estate properties. Presumably they'll rent it out. Presumably that comes with dividends. 
I gotta do a little bit more research in terms of the actual structure that we can introduce over the next couple of weeks. But very exciting, Merge has the security token listed on secondary markets right now. And the second is MinerVest, which is an African fund. And it's another one that I'm still looking to do my research to be able to bring you guys the terms of that deal but it is an African fund and it is additionally a security token live on Merge. So this is very exciting news because now we have three new security tokens live that we can now track and monitor. All three are currently being onboarded onto stlmarket.com right now. So hopefully we can have those prices in for our next market report for next month's report. And in that case, we can really start digging into the details. Super cool to see Merge moving, and I'm expecting a, a lot more listings you know, to come from them in the future, so it'll be great to be able to track that via STM. And speaking of STM, what's the data tell us about last week, Al? Well, the total market cap, we're up 3% to $113.5 million in market cap, 113. So we have broken the, the $100 million mark. We smashed through it with overstocks listing, and now it continues to rise up to $14 from their low of $7.50 exactly one month ago. So Overstock has doubled in price since their issuance. We knew that was gonna happen. We told you that was gonna happen because of the, the sell pressure. Obviously was never investment advice. But the digital dividend proves that institutional investors can be very interested in security tokens. It just needs to be the right asset. This continues to be a fantastic use case of security token implementation by Overstock and T0. And it's a much needed win, I think, for T0 after months of stagnation and regulatory battles. It's still doing like $300,000 in weekly volume, which blows everything out of the water, but it also does not explain why T0's token hasn't quite followed Overstock's rise. It's just about at the exact same price it was last week, which was pretty much the exact same price it was the week before. Perhaps investors are waiting until the ATS lists an outside token before they really put their full confidence in that platform but something tells me that that's gonna happen sooner rather than later after the success of Overstock. Other tokens in the industry, we had, uh, you know, the industry average was down about half a percent this week. So real estate was pretty flat. The rest was pretty much the same. I don't think open finance has been doing very much volume. So those tokens have kind of stagnated. Real estate, again, staying flat is fine because you're still getting a lot on the dividend side. So that's about it from the market. All right. Well, definitely interesting dynamic between Overstock and T0. And, you know, all we can do is keep tracking and seeing how these trends unfold. It's definitely cool to see that some of our predictions turned out to be right. I'm glad to see them thriving. It's only good for the industry to have them succeed. So let's get into the main topic then, Kyle. You know, last week we covered the topic of central bank digital currency, CBDCs. And we ended that main topic with some bad apples, leveraging cryptocurrency and digital currencies to skirt sanctions and create new economic dependencies. So, you know, buying tokens issued by those countries is illegal and it could end you up in a heap of trouble, especially for our U.S. listeners. So that's right. Herwig. I mean, you were telling us about Iran potentially listing a whole slew of tokens including tokens based on equities and securities from Iran, right? That's absolutely right. From the research compiled by the Security Token Advisors team for the CBDC article, we learned about a platform called Payoneer. Watch out for this one. Payoneer is an issuance platform from Iran that plans to launch security tokens based on businesses, real estate, and more all from 
around. So by default, security token instruments, they're digital by nature and therefore should be programmed with the right logic to follow securities laws, right? Well, unfortunately, this is where software varies and in the case of Payoneer, the ability to onboard tokens they issue may not require any form of authentication or verification at all, just like if you were maybe buying a traditional cryptocurrency. And if you accidentally find yourself having purchased one of their tokens, you'll have a permanent record on the blockchain saying that you bought it and committed that illegal act. That's definitely a huge problem and definitely asserts why you always need to do due diligence whenever it comes to investing, especially in digital security tokens. There is a whole list of countries that could soon start issuing their own security tokens that would be illegal. The OFAC list, which includes North Korea, Venezuela, Ukraine, and Russia, related sanctions, including Syria and Cuba, and of course, terrorist and cartel organizations. I mean, we've even seen it with Venezuela already, considering they issued their, their currency backed in oil called the petrol, which was made illegal to purchase in the U.S. Whenever you're buying a security token, whether it's on an exchange that's centralized or decentralized or even in a direct transfer, please make sure you do your research on what you're receiving from the counterparty in the transaction. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, you just highlighted exactly why illegal security tokens can and will become a thing, I think. You know, the, the last thing you want to do is find yourself, uh, you know, sponsoring organizations and countries that are illegal to do business with. You got to beware of these illegal security tokens. Herwig, I want to take the time to speak on this topic a little bit further, just to understand, to, to give our listeners some clues on how to understand how to avoid those scammers and illegal tokens. Because again, it's just kind of the, the double-edged sword of the nature. You can onboard investors from anywhere for your security tokens that are legitimate and open up new investment opportunities for anyone around the world. Unfortunately, there's always going to be bad actors. And yeah. so we, of course, are not investment advisors. I'm not trying to give you any advice here at all, but we're just trying to, to help out in the hopes that it can help you come to your own conclusions about figuring out what's right and what isn't. I just wanted to talk about how you actually diligence some of these security tokens to make sure everything is legit because it goes beyond just reviewing the legal documents and making sure the entity is being issued in a jurisdiction that's legal to conduct business. I think you're absolutely right that we should talk about this now. I mean, you, you want to go beyond the basics of just the offering documents, right? I mean, definitely make sure, of course, you comb through those legal documents diligently because that is, you know, the devil in the details. Security token is only as good as its underlying documents after all. But that's why when it comes to evaluating STOs, it's important to see who else is involved in the offering. If you know, it's a is it a reputable tokenization platform that has a track record of doing STOs in the past with legitimate issuers? Or is it maybe the issuer programming the tokens themselves? The latter could present greater risks and a possibility that the token is not up to par when it comes to following securities laws or potentially representing you know, something that isn't the case. So are you ready to start paying, honestly, for smart contract audits too? Because if that's the case, that's what you're gonna have to start doing. And if you don't wanna do that, that's where a reputable technology partner comes into play to make sure that everything is authenticated and mm -hmm. right is where, you know, the, the, as they say, you dot your I's and cross your T's. And the same also, Kyle, I would say goes for marketing partners. You know, the, the STO hosted on a, a brand name crowdfunding platform, or is it being done through their website directly? Are there licensed investment banks or broker dealers involved? These things are all ways that can reduce the risk that you are dealing with a bad actor. 
another example is with the advisors of the project too. Right. I mean, if there's reputable people involved, you can reach out to them, review their past work to get better context on the kind of quality that they produce. However, you got to make sure to verify they actually are involved somehow because in the past, shady projects will and have tried to fake advisors by just placing their photos or like their LinkedIn link or something on their website without expressed approval to try to fool people into thinking that that's correct. We see it in public markets. We've seen it in, in different cases in private markets as well. However, if they are using a consulting company like Security Token Advisors, that absolutely creates a layer of trust in the offering as you know that an experienced firm is helping the issuer walk through the process because it is a complicated process, so it's nice to have somebody watching your back. Oh, 100%, Kyle. Of course, at Security Token Advisors, we only work with reputable and legitimate issuers. So when we are involved, you can definitely assume we've cleared the red flags already. And honestly, we should talk about evaluating exchanges as well, right, Kyle? Yeah, since we're on the topic for sure. When it comes to buying security tokens, you need to make sure you qualify the offering. So when there is a crowdfunding portal or marketplace involved, they're usually the ones responsible for making sure you qualify for the opportunity. Licensed exchanges or secondary markets are operated by broker-dealers and are usually trustworthy because they're regulated and licensed and most importantly, accountable. When you move towards the decentralized exchange model, you have to be careful about what you're buying. If it's just a website or a platform powered by quote unquote decentralized technology, it can be more difficult to know what you might be buying or whether you even qualify for it. It's always important to do your own research and read the offering documents to make sure you qualify for any opportunity. I think that's great advice, Kyle. As thousands of security tokens start to come to market over the next years, uh, and also hundreds of, of more marketplaces and exchanges that are created, it'll all be that more important that you do your own due diligence before you buy a security token and make sure that it's either not a potential scam or even worse, a full-on illegal security token. You got any other advice to share with our listeners, Kyle? Don't believe everything you see on social media or even just the first article that you read, especially if they don't cite their sources. Make sure that you're investing your money wisely because there's so many fantastic companies building great projects in the industry. It would suck for you to waste your money on some scam when there's so many great things you could be putting your money into. This, this episode isn't meant to scare you as an investor. It's just to help you find the best projects and avoid those with less merit. You got to focus on quality over quantity when it comes to investments. But other than that, I mean, dream big and join the movement, man. We're one week closer to adoption, and it's exciting to join the ride. I'm fired up. I hope all of you are. And as always, ending our show here, you can find all the links we discuss on the show in the About description or on our Medium page. Please be sure to send in your feedback to us. Let us know your comments. Ask us questions. Kyle and I are available on Twitter and LinkedIn. We will respond. And meanwhile, I want to say stay safe and healthy out there. And I hope you enjoyed another episode of the Security Token Show. I hope we catch you again next week on Tuesday. Mm -hmm.